Dopeless Podcast. Bryce Van Ross, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Glad to be here. I only have like a couple things I wanted to ask you about. Um, other than that, I don't really have anything planned. But uh, okay. so I remember you last time we talked, you said you, you were uh, you, you were asking for advice on how to teach your class on like statistics. So mm-hmm. um, can you just like give me a recap of what that class is about again? Yeah, so um, it's at Cal State LA. It's called Math 1091. So it's mainly for non-STEM majors, uh, so like liberal arts students, et cetera. Uh, usually people that are in that class, this will be their final class and it should be as related as, pos- as possible towards like real life. Statistics is usually interpreted as the most popular and easy to understand math of real life. Um, so the class is titled Quantitative Reasoning, which is basically just critical thinking, um, trying to determine truth, um, trying to eliminate unlikely things and really communicate properly. It's called Quantitative Reasoning with Statistics, and statistics is like the tool to communicate the quantitative reasoning. Yeah, I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Last time we talked, it was around December, January-ish, and I... Yeah, yeah. So since then, anything anything surprise you about, you know, just teaching this class, what the students are like, or uh, something some, something that uh, you didn't plan for, but you had to uh, adjust? Yeah, so a lot. Uh, <laughs> besides the obvious lot, of, but... besides the obvious of, you know, a pandemic hitting in the middle of the, the period, time period. Uh-huh. Okay, so I guess besides that, so I got some perspective. These are my first um, classes I'm teaching. I'm a teaching associate there. Uh, Long-term plans of being a teacher. So I had a general idea of what I expected. But in terms of, I guess, surprises or like differences, I would say that there are some books that are just written very badly from a from the perspective of a student. Um, So my class was typically, it's what's known as a hybrid, um, but it's also co-coordinated. Hybrid is usually mainly online with some lecture component. Ours was reversed where it was mainly lecture component and very little online component. However, the online component would make up a significant portion of your grade. Um, now, I think that in itself isn't that bad, but the issue is the quote coordination. So I have superiors above me that have like designed the infrastructure of that, of that class system. And um, because I'm, um, so like the students in my class would take a 1090 class, which is their main lecture period. And then they would take a 1091 class, which is mine. And it's workshop workshop oriented. Ideally, these are supposed to be like flushed together. Practically, if I think that students need more time with something else or need more exposure with a concept that I think the 1090 doesn't cover, uh, I tend to be very flexible. And... I thought that flexibility would actually benefit a lot of people. Um, But I actually found that it actually confuses people. (laughs) (laughs) So 
that was unexpected. I thought that, um, I think I don't regret the decisions I've made. Uh, I think it did help most people, but based off like end of semester feedback I got from surveys from the students that uh, do go on your record, by the way, uh, as a professor, uh, it was interesting to see like a good few of them say like, oh yeah, you made things way more confusing than it had to be. Like I used a workbook um, that was actually given to me uh, by uh, the department and they said like, hey, it's supplemental, totally use it. And I actually thought it was better designed than their online component. Um, and they had like a main textbook that they never used because of the online component. Like the homework was just directly online. So no one read the textbook. So they just really relied on pure lectures. And I think because a lot of people usually require a textbook with lecture, I was like, hey, you guys are missing stuff. I'm just gonna use the workbook. But because their 1090 professor never touched the workbook, my things were definitively harder than they should have been if that made sense. Yeah, so yeah. it was interesting. <laughs> I I feel like um, as college students and taking professors, I think, I feel like we all see the, the finished product. We never really, you know, they never really talk about what they had to go through when they're learning to teach. So I guess mm -hmm. same thing with you, like 10 years down the line, you'll probably be a more established professor, I guess. And now mm -hmm. you're kind of like figure th figuring things out yeah yeah um so tell me about like your students what are you know are they all young people are they all old people um are they are their math skills just you know a little behind and you know yeah what's the what's the what's the status yeah so i think age is very subjective like i'm 26 to me everybody in that class was younger than me <laughs> uh it wasn't that big of an age gap per se um I will say in terms of attention span, definitely different <laughs> than I remember my freshman year um, or even sophomore year for that matter. Like attention span is definitely, um, I wouldn't say inept as much as it is like you have to work more to get it <laughs> as an instructor than I, I remember observing uh, in the past. But yeah, so you can't really tell when it's a bunch of like non-STEM people, like how good they are with math it, outside of the math class you teach them. Um, Cause usually if you're in STEM, uh, your math class is built off of each other, um, which isn't the entire thing of mathematics, by the way, like I'm a math grad student and a lot of math is not foundational. It seems like it when you're in school, but like, the further you go, it's a lot of like connections that just randomly connect. A lot of it's not foundational. Um, so I can't really tell how my students were with math as a whole. I could only really tell like they're doing good with this statistics topic or they're not. Um, I don't think for someone to be good or bad in a class, uh, it's really based off like everything. And I think that's what education shows us in our school system. Like, oh, you got an A because you knew everything. Yeah, that's common. But like, yeah, there's a lot of people that just perform well test-wise and don't really understand anything like in a month, <laughs> like after the class.
classes done. Yeah. But um, I think my students were good um, for the most part. Um, I would say I didn't really get a fair understanding of them uh, because of the pandemic. Um, most people had like black screens with their names on them. Don't know what you're doing. Don't know how much you care. Most of the time, like there are times, dude, I would have in my last month. So, so like I had two classes, uh, they met three times a week. Um, and in the last month, every week I would have at least one class with at most three people out of a 30 person class. So like 10% of my class would show up. So like, yeah, people have problems. I get that like due to the pandemic, but I think also a fair amount of people don't have those problems. So it's kind of really hard to tell like what I think about them if they're not there. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. So um, I guess your, your classes were kind of made optional for attending, right? Because the, of the circumstances and um, people maybe not having access to internet? Yeah, so they were, but like, I don't know how it was at other schools, but for my school, um, there was very little um, communication by the president itself in terms of like implementation of policies going forward. And it was mainly department by department implementations. So my department, not to speak poorly of them, but my department had many meetings that were somewhat productive in terms of like relevant themes and issues. But at the end of the day, from those department meetings, um, it was mainly upon the intuition of the teacher to decide like their respective policies for the classroom. So given I didn't design my uh, syllabus because it's a co-coordinated class. Um, previously, uh, my syllabus stated that, hey, basically two thirds of your grade is just attendance and participation. Okay, so two thirds of your grade, that, that's that. And in terms of modifying that, um, sorry, the, the last third was the online thing. So online thing is completely on you. The other two thirds, basically you just have to be there. So my thing was like, hey, um, now what does being there look like? <laughs> like if I told people before this pandemic, like you have to be here and even if they didn't want to, they still showed up. How do I now like make it fair for those people relative to people that are now taking advantage of the situation saying, hey, uh, attendance is kind of subjective now. Like, I don't think that's really fair. So I had to wrestle with that a lot. Um, I don't think there's really a right answer, but there are easy answers. And I, I didn't really like most of those easy answers. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, going back to like being, describing your, your, your teaching this uh, term as like flexible, that makes me think of like, you know, as a college student, you, the, the really interesting professors are the ones that like, they're, they're not like everyone else. And, mm -hmm. you know, you could say they, they were flexible, which, you know, which means like they, they, they give you a, a set of rules, but they don't really follow them strictly or they, they they can change those rules very quickly. 
And it's interesting mm-hmm. in your case, I guess, where your students like actually preferred um, less flexibility and just more like, you know, uh, following the rules or the guidelines of the class. Yeah, like, I think, I think it's just easier from like a student point of view to be like, here are the rules, they don't deviate, I just need to follow them. And when you're kind of catering to like a very unknown, and what I mean by that is like a non-responsive, like majority, it's really hard to tell when your grades keep changing, fluctuating drastically um, due to a situation that's completely out of your control. It's, It's hard to tell like, hey, does me changing this actually hurt the people that are doing their best right now? Or am I just changing it for the sake of like, more good grades than bad you know and i think a lot of students want to have less on their plate um given this situation we have so like i'm i'm understanding of it but in a sense it's hard to balance that and be practical at the same time you know yeah and i've seen a couple of stories online of um teachers having to deal with their students who have like really really special situations so Mm -hmm. did did you have to deal with any of those special situations this this term so i guess in terms of people's special needs i didn't have that in terms of like difficulty of instruction i think math is for example more easy to teach uh virtually than maybe art um so I wouldn't really say I had as much difficulties as much as like dealing with the learning curve of how to like write quickly or how to get feedback if people don't get it quickly um yeah or like limited space like I was used to like chalkboards <laughs> as like my my writing space and now I'm confined to the annotate feature <laughs> of Zoom which is very small and doesn't have like special uh math symbols symbology is severely lacking um but i think in terms of like situations i've had it was like a few people that had to pick up jobs i would say um and they just couldn't even view my recordings uh because they had no time from going to work then taking care of family or like they had no clear space to work or to listen to the videos i had some people that um like i can't remember what it was and out of like respect to the student i'm not going to say what i think it was but (laughs) point is something had to be removed from the body and like especially given covid like no one really wants to be near uh hospitals right now i could only imagine like just being confined to that space, like post-surgery, uh, what that must have been like if you didn't really have reliable internet. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think my situations were as special as from what I've heard, too, but I had some. Mm-hmm. Did, did you just, you know, was that kind of challenging for you as a teacher to have to deal with the, uh, those situations and, you know, try to find a fair way forward for everyone involved? it's it's like yes-ish so like i want to say like 
me coming up with the ideas was the hardest thing. Um, me implementing the ideas wasn't difficult. Um, once I had the ideas, it was really trial and error. And it was more of like having really good thought out ideas with the best intentions to then be disappointed by the outcomes. And you can't really tell who do you, who do you blame, right? Like, was it the person who came up with the idea? Or is it the lack of response from students, in which case you don't know what the res what the reason is? Um, but sadly, I think my main issue I had was like I felt very vaguely pressured <laughs> by my department uh, to make things easier. Like I'm okay with ease within like a standard deviation, like something like fair, where it's not too much of a pullback. But I I thought they were too lax in in any scenario i i would think that saying like hey like i'm gonna give an example right and don't get me wrong it may come off as hypocritical but like i it's legit what happened like i valued it but at the same time i thought it was wrong um my final um for a grad class uh which stakes are on the line okay like the higher you go in life stakes are always more on the line than before and um uh, I had my final posted <laughs> like on Monday and it was due Thursday. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> like you're trying to advocate for people not to cheat. And yet you give very open avenues to do it. And then you complain as a department later, people are cheating. And like, you kind of allowed that to happen, you know? Um, or like they were asking me to be lighter on my students where, um, I like, so my, my idea to circumvent um, attendance was like, Hey, I don't know your reason why you're not here, but I'm going to give you one problem. Just one problem. Okay. Now my opinion, if you can't do one problem, all you have to just say is I need help. And I even told my students, just say, I need help. <laughs> if you can't do that one problem, just tell me that. And I'll still give you full credit. But apparently I got backlash from my own department for that because I mark a lot of people not attending because they wouldn't even submit one problem. And it was just interesting how much like backlash you get for doing what you think is the right thing for the best of your students. So, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. I, I wonder that that's just so crazy to me. I wonder if stuff like that happens at my school, UCI or mm -hmm. um, like for the people that are coming up and starting to teach maybe the TAs, if there's kind of like that level of politics involved, I guess. There probably is. Um, do you remember anything like weird in terms of like implementation that was like very unexpected? Yeah, dude, just, just one. And it happened uh, this past winter quarter, right before the right, 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 right. As the pandemic was coming um, I had a class called, I guess it's kind of like, Mm -hmm. research methods or you know how to do research or how to like a, a freshman seminar how to research class i guess that um in the lab section sure. you they would teach you how to do excel and um a little bit of r but okay the crazy thing is we we never did r because <laughs> the pandemic you know it was um anyways the, the the i guess the really weird stuff that you wanted to know about um the first three weeks of that lab were all about Excel 
and then um we'd ha- we get tested on like excel functions or whatever um but then late in the quarter we all got an announcement yeah, saying that some of the excel tests were unfairly hard compared to the other tests so in order to make it fair they just mm. give 100% to everyone for the excel tests wow yeah um wow these, were, these are lab tests um they're still part of the grade or whatever but it's just one or two TAs. They just made it, made them unfairly harder than the other TAs Excel tests. It was just really weird. It was the only, only, only time, only anomaly, I guess, in my time at UCI where I see something weird happen like that. Um, and then when, when they canceled school at UCI, we still had some more sessions in the lab to, uh, we were supposed to take a test on R, I think. Um, so then, but then they canceled that. So all in all, I think I got a hundred percent in that lab for, you know, doing like maybe 70% of the work. Yeah. And I think really Jeez. that is just like a, oh, and the, at the start of that class, actually, they couldn't find enough TAs to cover the, the students. So they only had one or two and the class mm-hmm. size was maybe 300 ish. Dang. Which wasn't enough. So, you know, labs were canceled, I think, for the first week or two that they were supposed to happen because just because mm-hmm. they couldn't find anyone. It was just a really strange class. The guy that the guy that, t- that teaches it, we uh, I talked about with you last time where he's, he, you know, he's the, the stats teacher that like preaches stats instead of like teaches it more on that side. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he loves to preach statistics, but he also loves to preach, you know, to freshman seminar classes about how to do research and whatever. So uh, probably not his fault. It's just like really weird class for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bummer you, you guys didn't get to learn R. I, I know that's actually like um like an emerging trend within education to like incorporate like stats with more like digital platforms of all sorts so that's a bummer either way it's googleable whatever (laughs) yeah Uh and you know i also that class the lecture part of that class had a final that was a a written paper but it wasn't like a traditional essay or anything it was uh, basically a a research proposal but written in several different phases so uh, the first two were done throughout the quarter and then the, the last part is just like you do part three and then you combine them all together and then you turn that in um mm. but i don't know if i don't know if my ta had some you know direction or guidance to do this but she i think after i turned in part two and part one she she would just like give some basically she gave me the answers of what she wanted to do and she even like she even wrote out like what she wanted me exactly to do uh, to uh, revise it. So I just put the revisions in and I got like 100% on the lab uh, or the lecture paper. Interesting. I guess this is... I think this I've, is, I've, I've, I've had something similar like that in like a bio lab, but way before. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess it might might just be a freshman seminar class, but um, it just feels weird sometimes to be at a four-year school and then have that happen where 
uh, you just get so lucky that you get a hundred percent on the lab assignments. And then, you know, your TA gives you like, like holds your hand with writing this assignment and gives you a hundred percent on it. Yeah. Um, you have like a year left, right? Or no? I have uh, six classes left, so I could I could be out of here. I could have been out of here this this year actually, but I uh, I've been purposely delaying myself so I could get on a study abroad trip, and I did, but it's canceled. Where was it? France, Paris. Do you know French? I don't know. I know German a little bit, but GPA requirement for the Germany trip was uh, a bit too high for me. Low key. Um... If you ever need time to practice, I'd recommend Duolingo. Um, I've been learning Latin for like 75 days now um, since the quarantine. Um, it's really good for learning things quickly, <laughs> uh, language-wise. Um, are you planning to, to do this? Like, did you get your money back or are you going to delay the abroad trip? Did it get canceled altogether? What happened? All the all the fall study abroad trips at UCI at least, and I'm assuming probably all of the University of California schools are all canceled. And uh, I didn't I didn't have to pay anything yet, so I didn't no 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 refund necessary. Oh um, cool. Yeah, but now I just have to like plan plan th- plan around things again, I guess. Where I have six classes to do to finish up my degree, but I also want to study abroad, and so it's too late to apply for uh, the winter trips, the winter quarter trips. So mm-hmm. that means I only have spring quarter left. And that's uh, your final quarter, right? Yeah. So right now I, I think I could apply and if things are back to normal by spring, which I really don't know, um, mm-hmm. I could, you know, take some combination of the six classes and split them up between uh, fall, winter, spring and do it that way. Come back, graduate. I see. What would you consider? Cause I, I assume you're going through the means of your school, right? To do this. Yeah. Would you, would you consider like applying to abroad programs that aren't via your school? I've uh, thought about this, but just my financial aid situation right now, which is pretty good. They, they, they covered like a tuition for the entire year. I'd rather mm-hmm. do it through them. Maybe there's other options that I haven't, I don't know about, but ideally I like to study abroad without having to take out a loan for a study abroad trip. I respect that. Yeah. I really hope that works out for you. Cause, um, yeah, I remember my final two years, I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And like, I didn't do it. I guess got too busy. Did not meet deadlines appropriately. I applied to one thing and I got rejected. And then I think I just lost motivation. Um, but I, I hope that works out for you, even in the midst of like the coronavirus. Would it be your first time abroad? I've been abroad a couple times, but like when I was when I was younger, like I've been to Mexico, Canada, and probably Vietnam is like the furthest country away that I've been to. Okay. So, yeah. I I, cool. I just like you know wanting to work in sports i really wanted to get some kind of work experience in sports internationally because mm-hmm. i feel like not many people do have that experience that are based in the united states 
I was really interested in doing that. So, hmm. yeah. So like, what what is like the primary difference of like international sports careers versus here? I have no idea because everyone, <laughs> everyone, everyone I talk to, they're they're mostly you know born in the United States somewhere, and they move around the country, and they work you know in several different places, and they got to where they are, but. I don't think I've I've met a single person that has international sports experience. So I know like, hmm. you know, like in the United States, it's basketball, football, baseball, hockey. No one, no one really talks about soccer. Yeah, yeah. It's probably like the other way around over there. So I wanted to like experience that. Mm. So um, does that mean like the broad trip that you were planning did that have like an internship experience there or was it just like sports related classes? Uh, you, it was basically going to be, you know, as if I was going to UCI, but I was going to mm-hmm. do it in Paris, France with other UC people, not just from Irvine. And the classes that I would be taking were, would all be focused on Paris or France and the history of it. Okay. And so this internship thing I was, I really wanted to do, like I was going to find it myself and try to do something while I was there. Um, so this is like different from being an actual student at like some, uh, French university. This is more like a, you know, remote UC building, UC, you know, really small UC school where Mm -hmm. all the students would take classes together. Um, the option of being a French student at an actual university, I, I thought about it, but just from hearing what people thought that went to France before they said that you really don't know the difference in level of difficulty if you were going to be an actual French student. Mm. And so you don't know how much more, more or less time you'd have to um, put towards studying to do, to do well in those classes. So I don't, I don't really care about studying in like a different country. It's more about the experience, hang out with new people for and sure, yeah. getting work experience. So that's why I went for that option. Would you ever consider, like, it's funny because, like, I, I remember I first heard about this, um, I think it was, like, February or something, but before, like, the quarantine period, um, I heard about it from a coworker uh, who was like, oh, yeah, there's this thing, it's virtual jobs, and I remember laughing, uh, no, sorry, virtual internships, I remember laughing really hard, saying, I'm like, that's a thing, I'd much rather do a real one. And I'm like, I highly doubt this would ever be a trend. Uh, it just sounds too stupid to me. And then lo and behold, quarantine happens. And I've actually been hearing like an upsurge towards that. Um, do you know if that exists at all for like your area? Like, would there ever be like virtual, like sports entertainment or something like as an internship? I know like a handful of people right now who are like at the same point in our careers um, as me, only a handful of people who are like still working from home and getting paid for it. Everyone else is just kind of like, they're just doing their own thing right now. And like Hmm. the sports teams are kind of just shut down in terms of hiring. Like they're not hiring new people at all, at least entry level people. Mm -hmm. Um, But the whole idea of like virtual internships is, you know, still going on for the other, other uh, industries. Like, and I feel like it's because they, they need to ensure like new people are coming in to fill those entry level roles or else they'll just 
they won't just have they won't have enough people basically. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, hmm. I, I'm I'm a big fan of work from home. <laughs> I am too. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the future. It really is. I like. I think if I have my own place, I'd like the idea more more because I kind of have like only room for my desk next to my bed. So it's really the temptation of sleep that gets me <laughs> and makes things impractical. But like, yeah, if I guess I had more space, I think I definitely desire that. I used to think that like uh, those hybrid or like purely online professors most of their classes were jokes solely because you could just get by and not do anything like much of anything and it's really cool to see how like not only my perspective but like the majority perspective of that has changed where like people are like oh no this stuff is like serious there's a reason why those people only do that job because <laughs> they know how to do it well if they're doing it well you know um you know even with um for me, so during this quarantine so far, I've gotten an interest in golf, just watching Ooh. golf and learning golf, mm-hmm. even though my main sport's basketball. I, I, I really like golf now. I just think the game is so unique and interesting. Hmm. But I've also kind of, um, I always had an interest in like space and the universe, right? So yeah, yeah. I finished this, I finished like a really, like a, I guess, a popular science book from uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, just he's just like kind of introducing physics to people who are like in a hurry. Cause that's like the title of his book. So I've been trying to look for like different sources of where to, to learn more about this kind of stuff. And UCI actually has like a really good online collection of uh, recorded lectures for classes. And okay. one of their series is like taught by the, the Dean of um, the Dean of the physics department who uh, he has a, series on youtube for cosmology and then another series about like life in the universe Hmm. so i guess i'm kind of first time for me experiencing online classes even though i'm not like a student i'm just like looking at looking at the replays but yeah yeah. it's cool because i can i can watch the videos whenever i want i'm like learning stuff and i don't have to like be graded for it i don't have to do any assignments it's just really for my interest and pleasure I've seen people like even my own grad program that just sign up to things and yeah, they totally hate <laughs> the grading aspects, et cetera. But I ask them like, Hey, what are you doing? If are you trying to like land a job, get a higher pay scale, blah, blah, blah. And I've met like a decent amount that are like, Oh, I'm purely doing this just for fun, like for my own interest. And I, I think that's the heart of like what education used to be. And I think actually due to this like quarantine period, like hopefully it could become again as like more people have nothing better to do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Even this podcast for me, like I'm not, I'm not making any money off of it. So I'm just doing it for fun. I don't know if it's going to take off at, at anytime soon, but mm-hmm. I, I use it as just the way to catch up with friends and to talk about anything we want to talk about. Yeah. Very impressive, by the way. I think you told me like you had like 20 plus episodes of basically just talking with your friends. I'm like, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I think for people that create stuff, I think um, 
a, a portion of those people when they're starting out, they, they worry too, way too much about the quality of the content. Hmm. They, they totally don't, you know, realize that like they're just starting out. So there's no way that they can, um, match the quality level of like whoever they're inspired by. So I, uh, this YouTuber I follow, he just made the point, like, just focus on getting the first a hundred, you know, items published and then you can focus about you know, like quality control. Hmm. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm just lowering the, lowering the bar for me really, which is don't focus way too much on the quality. Just like get the reps in right now and then keep uh, producing quantity. Have you, have you always used Zoom as your like outlet or like have you used other platforms? I do this through uh, the, the radio station at UCI. So we have an actual mm. like studio um, mm -hmm. with, you know, professional level equipment. So that's dope. Um, I would just go in the studio and I record uh, either with me and people in there with me, or if that person is not, not at UCI, then uh, they just call in. And it's just like an actual, you know, radio station. So, you know, the whole like the the sound, like if you can imagine a radio show where people call in to request a song or something, it's like the same thing. That's sick, dude. <laughs> yeah. But now now um through Zoom, I just I just bought like this microphone, which like makes my 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 voice sound a little better. So mm -hmm. um and then Zoom just has like a cool record function that just gives you the the video afterwards. So yeah translate that to audio, do a little editing work. That's You're good. The, that's the yeah. secret of uh, how the dough post is being produced. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted to, uh, stuff I wanted to ask you about. I always wanted to ask you about this, but I don't, remember, I, I don't remember the last time we talked was like um, your time working with NASA and your time with like working in as an astrophysics intern. Mm -hmm. so what, what what were those experiences like for you yeah um they were interesting um I feel very blessed that I got those opportunities I know a lot of people grind for them aspire for them and I guess message to anyone that listens is like don't give up it's literally never too late and um say it doesn't work out for you i think all the training you put into it all the practice you put into it could come out uh for your own enjoyment or even translatable towards other jobs that are similar um i would say that me getting there uh has been crazy um it is it is very true that it's about who you know. So it's not just about your merit because my GPA was not that great. Um, like at all. Um, it was in the threes, but still like when you're in STEM, it's highly competitive. It's usually three, five is like the lower bound. Um, I was definitely lower than that. I think I graduated transferred from PCC at like a 3.03, .03, like, barely cut it I had a lot of semesters with twos um but yeah like I think what helped me was that I finished my classes quickly so on paper I had like a lot of things done already so like I knew them did I perform well on them 
that's a different story. Depends, <laughs> but I think it was advantageous to just have as many things down as possible. Um, I had a professor for my first NASA experience. Uh, it was called JPL Undergrad Scholars Program, J plus. Um, it's not always around, but when it is around, they select uh, one to three students um, for each uh, community college in the SoCal area to go to JPL. So my cohort was like 20-ish, 20 plus people. And I was the only one selected from PCC. And depending on uh, which school uh, you come from, they may or may not pay you. So some people were paid, um, I think, a thousand a month, depending on the school you went to. Uh, surprisingly, PCC uh, wasn't. So I never got paid for the entire internship, a six month period. Um, yeah, it sucked knowing that some people in my cohort were getting paid for the same amount <laughs> that I was doing. But at the end of the day, I was like, hey, like, I'm glad to be here. I'm very thankful for that. So uh, I'm also trying to plug for people like also apply towards non-paid things because they could still get you places. That was my very first uh, NASA affiliated internship. Uh, and that definitely got me further just because I could put that on my resume, even though it was unpaid. Um, that internship, um, it had monthly meetings that were mainly how to make yourself more competitive as an applicant. I took those seriously. Um, for anyone interested, um, keywords are like huge. If you just know the exact keywords and where to put those keywords for searching algorithms or for uh, hiring committees, uh, it definitely pushes your paper up super fast. Uh, I think it's actually more important to know uh, people in the hiring committee than it is to know scientists. <laughs> and that kind of like blows people's minds because they're like, oh, but you're going to be researching with them. I'm like, yeah, you will. But like the end of the day, how are they going to know you? Like they're not the ones looking first. Like they're the last pick. They're the ones who decide after a pool of people from the hiring committee that they've given them. They're like, oh, I'll take these people. But um, it's the HR people that look at your resume first. Yeah. So I befriended all those people. <laughs> at KPL and uh <laughs> that helped me uh like later down my academic road with internships um so honestly that first internship it was the longest it was six months I didn't really get much out of it outside of the network uh, and I got some cool friends out of it I think people should definitely aspire to that you never know where that takes you even if it's unprofessional it's cool to have friends with similar interests you know um after that um was that the software dev internship or the astrophysics internship nah it was so j plus was mainly like a networking oriented thing its oh, primary okay. goals was you network you learn key skills to make you more competitive and then you try to adopt your own research mentor so um basically i would say around a quarter to a third of my cohort was simultaneously looking at jpl because they gave you badge access to basically everywhere. So it was kind of like an Easter egg hunt of like, find your own mentor. <laughs> like you could be here. You have nothing specific yet until you find it. I didn't find anything. Um, but later down the road, it didn't really matter. Um, I have some friends that still work there because of who they found. 
at that time. Um, but yeah, it definitely didn't have any like technical experience, um, which was weird because I thought it would. <laughs> um, after that, years later, uh, my most recent recent internship in 20, when was that? 2018, summer 2018, that was at NASA Ames. It's in NorCal. Um, fun fact, I don't know about all the NASA centers, but NASA Ames uh, has a hotel. Used to be a military bunk. Uh, I lived there uh, super cheap because um, everything in the SF area is damn expensive, but super cheap. It's $35 a night. Um, and that will take a lot of money quickly <laughs> when you're up there. But um, realistically, that was like the worst part of the internship because as cheap as it was, it was also terrible, terrible experiences for many reasons. But <laughs> that's for another story. But um, that was cool. That was software dev oriented. It was mainly, I was part of like uh, the robotics control group. Um, they launched things in space to the ISS, the International Space Station. Um, that was really dope. I had, I had a really fun uh, co-interns I worked with, researched with. Um, I think I had a lot of also technical problems um, just based off the specs of my laptop relative to the software we were running. It was very heavy. Um, and it was really funny because <laughs> I was uh, like hired for languages I was not that competent with. And you could get away with that up to a point, but you definitely feel the pressure when uh, they're like, hey, what do you think? And then like, you definitely, you're like, I need to Google this. Like, <laughs> I need to ask some other guy like how to do this. Like, yeah, so I think from that environment that like cemented for me, like software roles are not for me as like, if that's, like more than half of my experience for some position I'm not interested like if it's some of it I'll do it but like it's more hate love than love hate <laughs> um but to answer your astrophysics intern uh question that was at Carnegie Observatories that was in like 2017 I think I think it was 2017 um so um what's his name Carnegie duh excuse me so Andrew Carnegie really dope guy to look into if you have no idea who he is like major philanthropist businessman has his mark on like so many things um yeah rockefeller's rockefeller's like arch rival yeah yeah wealthy ass individual uh <laughs> and uh it's just crazy how how much influence he still has like today in terms of like what's currently around and like what dominates certain industries uh trippy but point is um if you're ever in pasadena if you want one of the most like wealthy buildings you could step into <laughs> that's just like rich <laughs> and like like you could read money bags upon the gate uh go to carnegie observatories it blends in with the city of pasadena like very well like a lot of people does don't even know it exists there but um yeah it's 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 amazing how well-funded they are because it's all private <laughs> um that doesn't mean it's a bad place i love the place and i love the people there they were very warm uh which is kind of rare in um i think the science community like 
you have people that are chill, but not people that are warm. And what I mean by that is like people that like really look out for your best interest, uh, as opposed to just like coffee talk, you know? Um, so they're, they're a very small community. Um, I did exoplanet research. Um, so like our planet has a certain amount of, sorry, our star, our main star, uh, has a certain number of planets around it. Uh, exoplanet is a planet uh, for which it has a different host star. Um, so it's not in our solar system, basically. Um, I studied um, and I tried to determine uh, using Python. Um, you could also use R, but we use Python uh, to determine like algorithms that would help better detect the likelihood of a planet around certain known stars. Um, so it was very like theoretical stats and it was pretty cool. I'd like to return to it maybe at some point in my life. Um, but it was really trippy because I like uh, astronomy and astrophysics, but I'm not as well versed as I think I come off. Um, so it was a very humbling experience <laughs> because like you'd have to sit in these meetings where people would be like, Hey, explain your project. And like how they conducted our, our weekly meetings was like, you'd have to ex explain like your new findings or like how you're going to uh, present your final presentation of your work. And then each person would have to ask you one thing, give you one positive feedback and give you one negative feedback so much bs i had to pull like <laughs> like if it was like a 15 minute talk i would probably understand like one minute of like anything anybody said um very difficult like and it's not that i was bored it was just like so high level and i'm like how do people casually understand this like you can't even see this directly like <laughs> um yeah so uh, I think apart from mathematics, my main interests are like in exoplanetary science um, and in philosophy, but I realized astronomy and astrophysics as a whole as, as a field is like complicated. Like, <laughs> like I was so stressed trying to understand what people say, not even stressed about my own work, but literally like people just say things and I'm like, I have no idea what you're saying. Like, <laughs> um, it's very easy to feel like the idiot in the room. I would say. Um, Were you like the only intern in the room or like nah. by PhDs or? Nah. So like there were, um, in my cohort, I had, I think about like 10 people. They were all uh, undergrads, mainly sophomore juniors. Um, I think I was a incoming junior at the time. Um, and our research mentors were mainly postdocs, I would say either postdocs or professionals, uh, which by the way, I hate the idea of like, <laughs> I feel like you do so much school. There has to be a lower point where you should be considered a professional. Like <laughs> the fact that like you have a master's and you're not considered a professional yet is crazy to me. Uh, <laughs> or like the fact you get a PhD and you're still not considered a professional unless you're doing active research, still crazy to me. Like, <laughs> like you have a postdoc which is basically residency for science. Um, <laughs> um, you have a postdoc, which takes another two to five years after you're already five plus years and PhD.
but still until you're done with your postdoc then your profession like that is stupid to me like <laughs> really weird but um yeah um i liked it but it, um interns my point would be talking to me about their respective work and i'm like i have no idea what you're saying most of most of the time I'm like show me a picture it'll connect the dots better <laughs> um yeah was it just Crazy. because was it just because they had like maybe more physics classes on you that they've taken definitely it was definitely that um i over time i guess became more math focused i've literally only taken one astronomy class in my life and then one um like astronomy research class and these people way more than that <laughs> so like i was like defaulting off of memory <laughs> which is fuzzy <laughs> with time and they were just talking about things that's like natural foundation for them i'm like i have no idea what you're talking about no <laughs> that's pretty incredible though where um you got your you got your positions because you you knew people that helped you out even and you know even though you you felt like um other people knew way more than you you did like you still got that opportunity versus someone else getting that opportunity yeah i'm thankful for that um it's also just really weird thinking about it like <laughs> just looking back and i'm like hey i got there um but i will say too like outside of that it's all about your craft like if you have like confidence you could definitely put yourself in the door like any door and i think that like your resume um you could have very little but you could if you form it well <laughs> like like you know those people where like you're like i don't want to read your essay i don't want to read anything for that matter but then like you read that first paragraph and you're like, okay, I'm actually interested. Like, I think if your resume doesn't feel like that, there's no point in submitting it. Like <laughs> um, for most things, like you, you definitely want to leave a lasting impression. And I think it, that's not obvious for some people. Um, I think how like it's communicated is just like put relevant things and then people just stop there they don't really think about like how to like craft it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think even from my personal experience writing resumes, um, I had this like big moment of realization that I was doing it all wrong where I was referring to the resume guide from the career center at UCI. And I was basically for following the format they provided. And then I realized that like, probably a couple hundred other people are following the format as well. Hmm. And up to that point, I already knew, I kind of had experience of like writing resumes, a couple resumes under my belt already. So I didn't really, I felt like I needed to write it, write, you know, really represent myself well mm -hmm. uh, when I was in the resume and cover letter and not just follow the format because other people are probably following the format and probably writing the same things yeah it's, it's worked out pretty well for me so far i think where not having worked that a lot of a work experience yet um just creatively writing to express myself and what i what i've done what i've experienced so far mm -hmm. that's probably better than following the format for sure yeah yeah so based off your two experiences in like astrophysics and uh 
NASA, you, you prefer to be on more of the math side and teaching, right? Yes. So like in the long run, definitely yes. But I'm not going to lie, like I'm still very tempted like to other industry related avenues um, or research related avenues. Um, just because I kind of feel like while you're young, do it while you know it. Um, I don't really agree with the thing that you could always do it later because sometimes your life restrictions won't allow you to um, to do that. But yeah, I am tempted, especially right now. Like it's sad to say, like people think the government benefits off of all this like chaos and they do uh, not all factors, but they do. Um, but like legit, if you're into uh, insurance or being an actuary you're profiting a lot right now (laughs) and I'm like I've been tempted to go into that but I hear it's really boring um but now I'm like hey this could actually be pretty exciting time to like just jump in there right now I don't know thanks Bryce for uh coming for being on the podcast thanks for having me this was fun (laughs) 